Hello everyone, welcome back to the Founders Club podcast. In this episode, my guest is a born New York and proudly raised in New Jersey entrepreneur, Brian Tam, who is also a three-time TEDx speaker and the lead consultant at Let's Make Great, where he leads corporate teams through first-time-ever challenges. From new business models to fresh brands, he guides multinational companies in China to systematically explore opportunities and work through innovation. He's the mind behind Proto Innovation Cards, the author of Original Creativity and the producer of the Rebuild documentary following the aftermath of the post-COVID pandemic. So please do enjoy this episode and subscribe to Founders Club podcast or share with your friends. Thank you. Brian, welcome to the Founders Club podcast. Yo, how's it going? It's going, it's going super uh, well. So uh, I decided to be to make this podcast a little bit different uh, from. Uh, the 35 podcast 30 something podcast i did so far and let me explain why okay you are my returning guest and actually yeah. this is our me. yeah this is our third chat that we have and i still uh, remember the first one the first chat that we ha- we had like and it was 3 years ago 2 years and a half maybe and i remember one of the and that was the first time I was actually interviewing someone in front of a camera. Yeah, at least. Wow. And the thing I asked you at the, at the end of that interview was, me. Hey, hey, Brian, me. hey, Brian, can you give me some feedback uh, on that interview? And uh, you said, well, try to, to be present. You're not present at all. So for this interview, I haven't prepared any question, but... Since knowing you, yeah. I want to exert this skill of being present. And let's see if I master at least a little bit of being present with my guests. Beautiful. No, I mean, that's impressive. As, first of all, it's impressive that you remember that. Uh, and second of all, I mean, that we had three chances to talk now uh, over the years is, is also very impressive. Uh, you know, it shows level of persistence and continuity that you don't always see. So kudos. Yeah, um, I think the continuity uh, was really important because if you want to master a skill, you have to repeat those tasks that enable you to actually master that skill. So you have to do it over and over again. Mm-hmm. But uh, I don't want to focus on me in this podcast. So I That's want right. to start with you. How are you, first of all? And uh, let's start. Where are you, first of all? Yeah, right now we're in uh, quarantine in Xi'an, China, northwest China, maybe two to three hours from Beijing. And um, we just got here. It's our third, fourth day. You might see my girlfriend running around in the background. Uh, They just delivered us food. uh, And and it's dinner time right here around. It's not dinner time. It's six. I'm just not. It's not even six o'clock yet, but they're delivering us dinner uh, as they do every day. Uh, and, and we're not allowed to leave this room, basically. So, good times, 2020. Well, at least they deliver you the food, so you don't have to go to buy it. So, 
yeah 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 that's the good thing of uh, of china they they treat you well if you respect the rules uh, as long as you respect the rules <laughs> that's right and you've been in europe uh, yeah, right. you you came in europe around that was a few March. two, mo two months yeah. after i came so how did yeah. happen and can you tell more about that because you were you are obviously a very well known entrepreneur in shanghai and at some point you decided to go back in europe and the timing was kind of a bit not best to relocate and move on from china to europe tell me more about that you know i mean maybe on paper it doesn't sound like it was the best time but i would also say that this year was the best year of my life right <laughs> i mean thinking about it uh I, at the same time, I understand that there's a lot of difficulty and there's a lot of people who suffered and uh, it's not the best year for a lot of people. Okay. I'm saying for me, I feel extremely, uh, I feel a lot of gratitude for an appreciation for this year uh, because we were not supposed to be in Lisbon. We we're not supposed to be in Europe. And, uh, you know, I had a, a really amazing time and, you know, as an American, I'm only allowed to be there for three months, but because of this pandemic, Uh, the visa situation was a little bit more lax or they didn't want people traveling. So if you were there, they didn't want you to, you know, to, to leave or move somewhere else. So we were able to, I was able to stay uh, until this week, last week, basically, which is now nine or so months. Um, and the original intention was to, you know, after being here in China for 13, 12, 13 years, uh, I wanted to see, what else that was out there and to continue to grow my business and build my brand and to expand and just challenge myself, right? And really get ready to move on to the next phase of my life and my career and and uh, and continue to grow and challenge, right? So uh, I've been hearing about Lisbon. I'm sure a lot of people have been hearing about it. If you're in the startup community, there's a lot of uh, startup culture there. There's a lot of nomads there. And, and the, uh, what's it called? The internet is fast. The culture is very open-minded the culture is very open-minded and um and and the cost of living is not terrible i mean there's always expensive places and inexpensive places so i think that makes it a very interesting place for a lot of people anyway so we thought maybe we should try that out see if this could be a potential base for maybe the rest of europe and maybe some of my work globally right and uh and it turned out you know this thing that was going to be a week or so a few weeks turned into nine months and really gave me a chance to experiment to see if this could be more feasible down the line. So what, a, what an adventure, man. Yeah. And so I guess then the idea was like uh, to do some experiments, which translated into something else who uh, ended up being like long-term staying in a place that you thought was, will be interesting and embracing exactly. kind of like um, going from that mentality of hustle, hustle, that we all embrace in Shanghai to kind mm. of like more chill, relaxed, nomad life, uh, experimenting with different uh, ways of living, uh, work remotely. Tell me more mm. about that. How was this experiment uh, went on so for this I, nine well, I'm not sure I worked any less, you know. Uh, <laughs> I probably worked more in, in uh, the kind of lockdown that they had in, in Lisbon. Um, I think partially was... You know, I, I just enjoy it. I love what I do and I love um, experimenting and I don't have a boss, so it doesn't feel like work. I really get to do and, and try different things, whatever's on my mind, right? And that 
and I knew this was like basically year one for me. Let's make great all over again, right? I started Let's Make Great in 2013. It was a very difficult learning curve. I didn't have any of the skills or very, very few of the skills that I have now. And I didn't have any of the, the network. Um, I didn't have any of the achievements that I, I've cultivated over the past couple of years. And, um, and, and that was a very difficult time. And I thought, okay, I have to do that all over again. Well, I get to learn from my mistakes from year one and I get to replicate it again, uh, but with some benefit of, you know, like I said, some network, some achievements, some uh, lessons, some experience, right? And, uh, and, and that's really what I focus on. So I worked pretty hard, uh, I'm proud to say. And, uh, and also still had plenty of time on the beach. So I think, you know, I, I'm, not, I'm not saying <laughs> I didn't take advantage of the situation because the weather there is unbelievable, especially for us coming from China, uh, Shanghai, where a lot of times it's raining uh, or cloudy. And uh, it's just, it's, it just feels totally different. I think, you know, the long days, anyway, I'm not going to talk so much about the weather in Lisbon and bore everybody, but just trust me, it's good. Uh, you mentioned some of the lessons, achievements, and so on, so, so forth that you have achieved during your entrepreneurial uh, career and journey. Uh, how did you apply some of those when you were uh, in Portugal or have you even applied or remodeled some of those lessons or leveraged some of the network you had yeah. to just make business? Yeah, totally. You know, uh, the first piece of it is building the network. So in Shanghai, uh, 2012, I had a very small network of friends, you know, just a couple uh, close friends, basically. Right. And you know people, but it's never really, you don't have any deep relationship. And I thought, oh, how can I change that? If and I think that was what saved me in year one and two was being able to communicate and to develop relationships early on because, you know, year one was, was terrible. Year two was even worse than that in Shanghai. Uh, and I didn't want to repeat. So this time uh, I realized, okay, if I were to go to Lisbon and I need a new network, I need to do that really quickly. And so I spent a lot of my time developing the network in very similar ways, but uh, in, in with a little bit more focus. And so what I mean by that is, uh, I gave more talks, uh, virtual talks, and I did more networking online because obviously none of the offline events were happening or they probably were, but you know, we weren't going out to all these offline events just because you know, safety first. And, uh, but still, you know, like I said, one-on-one -on -one, people are very open-minded and they're, they're willing to talk. So I was able to establish, um, I'm happy with the network that I've established over the past couple of months. You know, you can always do more and you can always um, push harder, but uh, with the amount of effort and the amount of returns, I'm, I'm quite satisfied with it. Uh, especially when you compare year one Shanghai to year eight Lisbon, you know, um, or year one Lisbon, let's say. Those two year ones are very, very different. Um, there was a lot more, I mean, they're, they're both were very satisfying and I'm, I'm very proud and very happy of both. But let's just say I wasn't struggling through Lisbon. I mean, that was uh, much easier to handle. Uh, you know, with everything going on. So a lot of the momentum, I think that that was it. Number one, networking, right? You asked about that. Number two, putting out a lot more content. And um, just like, I just counted, I'm gonna do another talk after this. And I just counted uh, how much content I put out. I think this year I've made like 3000 pieces of content. Um, you know, some of it is repetitive or whatever, and just on different platforms, but uh, you know, it touches different people. And so 
uh, I'm pretty happy or satisfied with that amount of output. Um, and, uh, and, and, and that's something I learned. I don't think I did that in year one Shanghai, right? So pushed out. And I think that has relationship with the first lesson, which is building network, right? So people don't know who you are, uh, how to get yourself known, put out content. And if you're going to put out content, uh, can you do that a lot more? So those are my two main lessons, let's say. Um, and that, that generated a lot more sales in year one in Lisbon than it did in year one Shanghai. So let's talk about a bit more in depth about uh, the business that you run. And mm -hmm. as you may know, many entrepreneurs, many founders, many businesses had to shut down or they had to reinvent themselves and come up with a, a new solution to new problems that mm -hmm. are emerging right now. Um, tell me more about you and your business. How yeah. did you undergo through this pandemic? Did you find yourself in the position where you had to reinvent yourself or was everything? Yeah, yeah totally. I mean, I think you know me and everybody in Shanghai probably knows me as a, uh, a speaker, consultant, trainer uh, around creativity and innovation, right? And so that means primarily offline meetings and offline workshops. Offline meetings and offline workshops, you know, ideations, facilitations, this kind of stuff, right? And uh, working with companies in China. Well, March, when I left, that already stopped. I mean, in January, business was dead because of Chinese New Year. Then February, then COVID, uh, February, March was completely quiet. Nobody even came back to the city yet. Very, there was very little work being done. And so I saw that. And that's also why, that's what spurred me to leave. Because I know uh, if I don't have any leads in, in the next month, I can see, I can forecast that I can at least leave for the next month because nobody's going to call me to do work. And in this special situation, that means I probably, I could see that there was nothing coming in for like the next three to six months. I said, okay, well, if that's the case, then I, I can go somewhere else and, and really experiment. So um, B2B to uh, offline workshops, that's what I was doing in Shanghai. Here, what I had to do was do uh, online consultations, uh, online consultations to uh, other founders and entrepreneurs. So uh, that is kind of more like B2C even though you're talking about business. Um, and obviously we're doing this all through Zoom. And so getting those systems set up, getting that awareness set up, all of that had to be, uh, and you take play around and experiment with that. And so that took, uh, that, that it's like a fundamental business shift. I mean, uh, you know, the, the, the lead time that you have with corporations versus the lead time that you have with individuals is, is so different with, especially with founders. Founders get to make the decisions. They struggle with making those decisions sometimes, but you know that's they they can work through that much quicker. And if they know you are the solution, then uh, they can pull that trigger much quicker. So, very different working cycles. All right. And uh, beside that, I've noticed you also start a uh, a project, which is interesting. I've seen episode one and some other episodes called uh, Rebuild. Um, would yep. you like to talk more about that and what is the goal with that project? Yeah. Uh, it, this goes into the bigger picture macro goal of transitioning more to uh, a global market, number one, which I, you know, like I said, I was already thinking about that at the beginning of this year, number one. Number two, then also realizing that I, somewhere around March, realizing I needed to work more with individuals because corporations, their budgets were going to shrink and they wouldn't have as much uh, capital to deploy against innovation workshops and fund things. They're going to be, you know, uh, doing less resource intensive things. So anyway, how do I reposition myself? Well, I needed to uh, show people 
I, I believe I'm a believer in showing rather than telling people. So uh, I created this documentary series where I asked five of my entrepreneurial friends at all different stages of their entrepreneurial career, uh, what their experience was like going through the pandemic from some people lost their jobs, some people closed down their business, some people had to shut down several of their locations, some others had to pivot because they were completely offline and now what are they going to do? And some they were their develop their business was a little more mature, so they were able to weather it okay. But uh, five different ages, five different countries, uh, five different businesses, just tracking their storyline through from April onwards, or maybe March, maybe beginning of March or end of March, I started talking to them. Because uh, once I had the idea, I was like, okay, cool, let's go with it. Let's see where this goes. I don't know where their stories were, were going to be. And, uh, and that was part of the lessons. I wanted to see what are the challenges that we're facing at the time and what do they try to do? And then why do they do it that way to, to try to really tease out the insight? And what was really interesting from doing this documentary was by talking to these five different people, there were still themes that came out and core lessons like, um, oh shit, I can't remember any right now. I'm, I'm a little bit jet lagged, but uh, if you want to know, you'll, you'll have to watch the series uh, to figure out what it is. I would suggest to start with episode one. I was actually Definitely. episode one was pretty had a very big awareness and many people watch it and uh, I really like it, the format and cool, the cool, idea cool. behind it. I, I guess you put a lot of effort into editing and uh, doing all the work, finding a common thread uh, among the yeah, yeah. all five entrepreneurs and actually some of them I I know personally. Of course, <laughs> the chance to- yeah, yeah. Okay, with them. Where do they stand right now in terms of business and in terms of their journey? Well, I don't want to give away the, the series, right? Uh, <laughs> I can say on a general level, because we're, I was talking to all Shanghai-based, China-based entrepreneurs, and the business is back to normal here, that a lot of them are doing much better than they were a few months ago. So uh, I'm, I'm still editing episode five, uh, or we are, the team is, and uh and, and we'll, we'll, you'll see it soon, but that's basically the final episode that's going to recap uh, everything that happened and those lessons um, from from this series. So it's been a fun project. Sounds cool. Um, let's talk a little bit about uh, some of the challenges that all of us had to face and probably you as well, by the fact that you have been relocating from Shanghai to Lisbon, which is to manage and work with a team. Uh, with your team members remotely, how that went for you and what are some of the challenges that you faced in managing and working with your team that were in a different time zone I think and so on and so forth? My, mine is probably different than many others. Um, I spent a lot of time cultivating my team and uh, working with them over the years. And some of them have been with us for like five years or something like that. So we have a pretty good relationship. Uh, so I thought, but when COVID hit, uh, Shanghai or, or China, I should say, it, we were, uh, it was right around Chinese New Year. And because we were a small company and, and it's easygoing, they decide to go home for Chinese New Year whenever they want. So they went around mid-March, mid-January. Uh, and then from that on, from that period on, I didn't see them because they were stuck in their hometowns. Um, and so actually, even until now, I haven't seen them since January, right? So, uh, but what happened was while they were home, they they kind of stopped working. Um Partially, you know, they, they were, you know how it is when you go home? I mean, you, are you home right now? I should ask. I am home and uh, yeah, I'm working from home. Exactly. Everyone, I guess, is in that yeah. situation. 
Well, I mean, you know, are you with, are you with your mama and papa, right? I think that's that's what uh, I'm trying to say. I, I was with them for a few months, and then I relocated to Prague, and now I'm working right. alone from home in a different apartment and so on and so forth. But yeah, okay, okay. quite some time uh, with my parents, uh, just yeah. two months I was that. Yeah. And so, you know, it, when you're working with home with your parents, it's a different thing. I know when I'm home with my family, my father is just buzzing around. He's like, so, so what are you doing? What, what's that? What, is that a is that a report you're working on or like so what's this what are, what are you doing now right every like five minutes is a circle around right he's like me I, we you know we're, we're, we're like creative guys always uh interested in many different things but anyway it's different my point is it's difficult to work from home and same for these guys it was extremely difficult to work from home and they were in chinese new year holiday mode when all this happened and so they basically stopped working and i lost touch with them uh and and, and i lost touch with them so much that uh when I left for Lisbon, they didn't know <laughs> because oh, wow. they weren't talking to me. And so, you know, you talk about some of the challenges. I think this is a particularly unique challenge. I don't think a lot of people could probably relate to, um, but uh, I think that says something about, uh, uh, I don't know. I don't know what it says. I'm still trying to figure it out, quite frankly. Um, but it was an interesting experience. And, and my, so the challenge for me was how do I bring them back and what new way of working or new collaboration style can we have that they want to be working in because my my philosophy is always like don't force anything onto them uh, wherever they want to go is where they want to go but just trying to figure out what that relationship needs right. to be going right. forward so, so that was a, a major change right so you, if i want to interject i think that's not only you facing this challenge i think this is a common challenge okay, that good. many corporates face which is how i can motivate my employees to work even though there is no supervision of the yeah. boss, would say, you know, and that's actually many corporates and other, I, would, I would suggest other startups, small, medium, are facing this. So I, I would say that that point is true. Motivation, employee motivation, is an absolute challenge, right? And I don't, I mean, you probably know this, but I'm all about motivation. Everything for me is about motivation. I don't like, I don't even care about my own. Uh, goals, my personal goals, I'll take care of me because I know how to take care of me. And I want to work to help them get to where they're going. So yes, definitely employee motivation. Like I spent so much time on that. My challenge was that they ghosted me. Okay. What do you do when your employees or your team or your partners don't talk to you anymore? That's a fun, that's a totally different category of challenge. Um, right. Uh, and, and that's like a girlfriend, yeah, who, yeah. A, 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 maybe an ex-girlfriend or, or a, a possible, boyfriend or a, boy, right? a possible who, who boyfriend. You. Yeah, yeah, that's not a good indicator. <laughs> it's not a good sign, right? And yeah. so, uh, you know, it's, it's kind of hard not to take that personally. Uh, but, <laughs> but also, like, it's more important to, like, learn something from that, right? Because it's, it's mm -hmm. also, okay, fine. COVID, uh, pandemic, new situation. Okay, they're working from home. All right, you try to empathize, like right? that's what I was trying to do, right? And I try to give them time. Okay, one month or one week. Okay, two weeks. Okay, maybe three weeks. Okay, now four weeks. Okay, maybe I'll skip a month. I'll wait for another month. I'll wait for another month. Okay, well that's that's what's happening, right? And so, um, so what it was was similar to a boyfriend and girlfriend relationship is that it was a recalibration or a reframing of what that relationship was going to be going forward, and I. And I, I needed to give them space to let them come back to figure out what they wanted it to be. So that was a that was the lesson, right? You can't force people uh, 
into a certain into relationship, right? Into working relationship or, or romantic relationship, whatever that might be. You, you just can't. Uh, and especially when they're partners, like on my team. Um, and, uh, and, and definitely it's about motivation, like you, you know, we were talking about before. But in this case, they lost their motivation and they were struggling to find it again. And so, you know, several months later, uh, they came back and we started having more conversations. And, and some, for some of us, we had a project and I say, okay, I have this project. Do you want to work together? And say, like, okay, cool. There's a project. There's something concrete. Let's do that. Uh, and, some, you know, and it started happening like this. And some others started getting back into the rhythm of things. And, uh, and, and so, yeah, man, that was, you know, you talk about a challenge, right? That was a real interesting challenge. Uh, thankfully, like I said, you know, business in China was slow for me because I could see three to six months out that no clients were calling me. When there was one, it actually came from Holland and, and I was able to send the work to my team and we were collaborating uh, online, but that was not the problem. That was the easiest part of anything that we had done. Actually, the hard part was just getting them back online. Mm-hmm. So leveraging the human capital and uh, mm-hmm. doing the work that uh, you have to complete was was interesting challenge and discovery for you also to understand the different dynamics with your own team. But I think everyone uh, during those times yeah. a little bit had evaluated a life where they stand at, even the, the pandemic. Everyone has been through this reassessment and they mm-hmm. tried to figure out. How about you? What was your reassessment? You, you are also going through a massive change too, huh? You, can you update me? Uh, yeah, sure. So from my side is like, um, how can I leverage my skills that I can I have acquired that I do go um, and capitalize on them, um, make some uh, more capital revenue and maybe maybe even work remotely. So one of the skills that I've uh, leveraged is like how how to generate leads for the company using, let's say, LinkedIn and other social media. So I decided to focus on LinkedIn and start a consultancy company where I try to help other founders doing the same. And uh, I launched the project in September and got the first few clients and uh, super happy now. (laughs) But that's- Was that that only September? I thought it was way earlier. It feels like you've been doing that forever, so. Uh, Yeah, sounds like that, but- Officially, the website and everything was in a, launched in September, and got the first uh, three three clients, and I'm super uh, excited about this. Obviously, that was not the biggest uh, realization for myself. For myself, was the biggest one like how how can I work independently of where I am, and that was actually the biggest one. So the fact that I can be in Prague, or the next month I can be in uh, Lisbon or in some other European country, it excites me for the future, for the upcoming future and how it looks for me. So embracing the idea of like embracing that uh, digital nomad and working remotely, it's I'm I'm kind of like welcoming fully this idea. That was the, one of the biggest realization. I think you absolutely have to nowadays. I mean, you know, if, if COVID didn't teach you that, if 2020 didn't teach you that, then you didn't learn uh, this fundamental uh, way of, of working, this shift that needs to happen. I mean, people, I'm sure most people have learned it, but have they capitalized it on it too, right? Have they you know, changed everything as a result? Like, like now you have to build on top of these new assumptions, right? If everything's digital and if you can work remotely anywhere and then how do you do that? And like, what new business might that be? Or what, how will all businesses change as a result of that? 
right? Uh, I, I think that that needs to be rethought. Right. That, that was actually one of the realization for our clients as well. Uh, at the to go like language schools, like they said, okay, now yeah. everything is moving from offline of a classroom cool. where everything is happening face to face to a online digital first environment. And mm-hmm. that actually eased our uh, process of in terms yeah. of acquiring leads and capitalizing and closing those deals. Right. And that's another angle right. where I'm looking at from another different kind of business. And that was something I've also, mm-hmm. as a company, uh, Holy, we realized that we are on a trajectory, kind of like inflection points. Uh, we have to stay on top of that inflection point to make this transition more smoothly for uh, different language schools that are right now struggling to go online and uh, deliver what is their uh, value, which is the educa- language education around uh, uh, their business. Sure. In terms of future perspective and so on and so forth, future prospects and perspective, what does the future look like beside working remotely for you and managing your team? And what's your plan? Are you going to stay in Shanghai or what? what is in 2021 for you and so on? Yeah, you know, I, I really don't bother to make uh, these kind of predictions or plans. Uh, I have my intention and, and it's to continue to go globally. And that's, uh, that's in progress right now. Uh, I don't think I'll be in Shanghai permanently or full-time, let's say, uh, in 2021, but I'll be here in China for at least the next three to five months or something like that, four months maybe. And, um, and then why we'll this, go from there. Why this sudden return in China and Shanghai? Well, I mean, there's a lot of logistical reasons that I don't, it's too boring to go into. Uh, but more, you know, more, more meaningfully is uh, I do need to check in on the team uh, and to reassess and with them and see how they want to go forward. If they want to go forward, that's just the honest fact. I mean, people's lives move on, right? Nobody works in a company forever. So that's cool. Um, and then, uh, and also, you know, I have a, a fantastic community here. I miss them. I want to see them and I want to be a part of this uh, community and, and, uh, and see if there is any work. So that's another thing. Uh, and, you know, we also obviously have products like Proto and, and my book. So that also needs a little bit of management. So that's what I'm here to do. Uh, and all these kind of logistical things, um, right. but uh, planning with the team, strategizing and seeing how they, how we can best move forward, right, together. Um, but with my anchor in place being like more global focus, working still mix. I still love uh, working with companies and I still really, and I just started working, I didn't just start, but I restarted working with individual entrepreneurs now this year. So I want to do that. I want to continue to maintain that. So, and then that'll be, and then the third part, third leg of the business are these products. And so that's my business model. It's not rocket science. It's not revolutionary, uh, but it is uniquely, let's make great, uniquely uh, ours. So uh, that's, that's, kind of what we're going to do i mean you can kind of see how it's going to play out i think it's very different maybe in year eight of this company uh where we're not destroying everything and starting all over again and pivoting like crazy we, we had a big pivot uh and we're going to continue down this line uh and continue growing more and more products uh, over the next you know whatever five years or so uh, and see 
build this library of products that can support entrepreneurs and creative uh, and innovators as they go through their process from, you know, fresh out of school to working as a mid-level manager to uh, senior executives leading an innovation uh, team or department. How do they do that? So we want to be supporting them throughout that process. Our products right now only do a few of these. We only hit a few of these um, touch points, but there's a lot of growth that can happen within that next, the next five, 10 years. So that's kind of where we're heading. Um, but like I said, I don't really plan too much. I have this vision, I have this idea, and I know it needs to happen. How, I'm not sure yet. We'll see. Right. Uh, important is to figure out the why you want to do this and the how you'll, you'll get it on the exactly. way yeah, yeah. Uh, and during the journey. Yeah. One last uh, question I want it, to It'll ask. happen. One last question I want to, to ask you. What is the... Oh, I can't hear you. Say again. What is the impact that you want to have as a founder, well, at least as a personal, on the personal level? I, I don't know if I want to quantify it, but at least I want more... The people who are creating things, like I said, these creators, uh, innovators, entrepreneurs, I want them to have a certain sense of awareness about their impact to society and to have them make things with some, to raise consciousness. So what I mean by that is um, income disparity or racial uh, injustice, uh, all these different gender, uh, the Me Too movement, right? All these issues that are happening, they're a result of systems that people created. They're a result of products that we create. So how can we inject out a higher level of philosophy, higher level of awareness into the things that we're making that can make people reconsider their actions and behaviors and values a little bit? Uh, this is what I want to do so that I want to help other people to do that. And I'm doing that in my products and my services. And I hope that others will join me in that ride. And so I'm calling this like uh, conscious creativity, right? That's what we're working on. That's uh, an interesting way to end the podcast. So people have to, uh, well, at least your Stay journey tuned. is to help people reach the conscious uh, creativity. Brian, thank you for joining the Founders Club podcast. It was amazing to have you on. Awesome. You were super present. You were so focused. Uh, I, I, I could see how you've uh, grown by leaps and bounds. Uh, like I said, Joe Rogan, watch out. <laughs> thank you very much for having you on. Cheers, man. See you soon.